0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: Richie Think beyond
2: Walker Q this football
1: Hello friend, and whether you are on your way to work, taking a nice long stroll, or maybe even all cozied up in bed, we welcome you to episode 4 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, with me, Sean
3: Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Now, first off, can we just say once again a massive thank you for listening to the show. The number of people tuning in keeps growing with each episode and we're absolutely knocked out with all the messages of support that we've received too.
1: Yeah, we're really grateful for that. And please do continue to tell all your AFCB chums about the show. So today, as per rule 18, subsection four
3: of the back of the net manual, which states it is compulsory to be wearing a cherry shirt whilst listening to the show. I've gone for our blue away kit and it does remind me of great days. Of
1: course, that Charlton win. But when are we going to play in that kit again? I know we've got the pink, which we're all like, oh, God, after Norwich, we can't wear that kit anymore. It's so unlucky. And now love it. But then we have changed the shorts, haven't we? very true, very yeah. true. but uh, it is a blue day on back of the net not because we're somber just because i'm also wearing a blue and black striped away shirt and this is from the 1995 great escape season and i think it's one of my favorite away shirts we've ever had now if you're wearing your shirt which obviously you are because it's within the rules why not take a selfie and post it on our uh, facebook or maybe our twitter of you listening wherever you are in the world with your cherry shirt we'd love to see what you're doing coming up on the show this week
3: we'll bring you the lowdown on the lads 3-2 victory at home to Swansea this past weekend and then I'll give you all you need to know about what's been happening in the online AFCB world
1: Gareth Case is this week's supporter profile and he reminisces about a classic Brett Pittman goal classic is not the word wow and then Sean has all the week's club news fresh from the new centre And then this week's feature focuses on a local business that has gone all-in for the Cherries now they're in the Premier League.
3: Yeah, and then we preview the upcoming Premier League game against Tottenham
1: Hotspur. But to kick off the show, we'll bring you your fan thoughts on that victory against Swansea at Dean Court on Saturday.
0: Smith against
2: Taylor, whips that cross in, Fabianski pumps it away, Gradle with the right foot shot, into the bottom corner, Bournemouth lead, and Max Gradle celebrates his first goal for the club, and that'll be a very popular one, he's had a really hard time with injury, Max Gradle, he comes running away from his teammates, over to the dugout. He points at manager Eddie Howe. Just outside the Swansea area, plays it into Josh King. King with the drive and into the back of the net. Fabianski got something on it, but it was too powerful for him. He's kicked the post in frustration and right at the start of the second half, Bournemouth are back in front and the goal has come from Josh King. Bournemouth two. The into the third time in the game can they hold on this time it was a wonderful cross from Matt Ricci a brilliant leap by Steve Cook and Lucas Fabianski left absolutely helpless Bournemouth 3, Swansea 2
4: Hi, it's David from the White Bear just walking back from the game now what a fantastic result for the Cherries Uh, well deserved I think overall but a great enjoyable game nonetheless. I thought we lacked a little bit of pace on the, on the wings for uh, about half of the game. Good changes. I think bringing Pugh on to sort of counteract the fact that they were trying to flood the midfield a bit. Number 18, that, that goat fella, he was a big old unit and putting Sermon on and didn't seem to be uh, doing us any favours whatsoever. But what a fantastic result. Up the cherries, staying in the premiership. Man of the match, Adam Smith. Spiffy, yes, definitely. Up the cherries. Hi, this is uh, Steve Richards from Christchurch. Hi, Sean. Just left the uh, game following the cracking 3-2 win against Swansea. I think probably just a bit fortunate to edge it. But as you were talking about last week, Cook always scores great goals. The only other thing for me, Richie got awarded Man of the Match by the sponsors and they must have been watching a different game. Anyway, don't
5: matter, because we won. We're the best boys. Hey guys, this is Chase from Florida, United States. I'm a proud AFC Bournemouth supporter. I love the podcast, so I hope you guys keep going with it. It's a great, and I always listen when I'm at work. Uh, the Swansea game was awesome. Uh, it went back and forth. Maybe not the, the uh, cleanest game Um but we are getting closer and closer to surviving this year. And I can't, uh, I can't say enough about the guys. Great to see uh, Max Cradle get a goal there. And the moment with uh, Eddie was wonderful. So uh, I hope you guys keep going with the podcast. I love it. I uh, just want everyone to know that we have, you have the supporters in the United States. And I'm proud to be a Cherries fan. Thanks.
4: Oh, hello. I'm Andrew from Dorchester, and I was fortunate enough to win the tickets last Saturday. Uh, First of all, um, we had great seats behind the goal onto the game. I thought it was very exciting and competitive, and I would say it was a fair result because Bournemouth were a bit better, but not by much. Hi, it's AFCB Pete. Eiford in Bournemouth. Uh, Let's get this straight. I am not going to sing. I'm not going to be held responsible for anything like that. Um, but I was blubbing after I saw Maxi Gradle go running over to Eddie Howe. It's just an iconic moment, um, just like the uh, Harry Arter one. But a great game, um, very close. I thought we we just about edged it, and onwards and upwards up the all Department.
1: Thank you to everyone for your fan thoughts on that game. And don't forget, after every game, you can give us a call as soon as that final whistle goes on 01202 901048. That's 01202 901048. Maybe save it in your phone, and then when you've you know had a couple of sherbets in the uh, pub after, you can go, oh, let's give this number a call, and then you can phone us. Otherwise, you can record an audio voice note on your phone or your laptop and email us, fans at afcbpodcast.com because we love hearing your thoughts wherever you are in the world. And especially thanks to Chase from Florida for his comments there. Really great to hear that we've got fans across the world. Wherever you are, do let us know and let's spread the cherries love. Yeah, so last Saturday,
3: AFC Bournemouth hosted Swansea. And for the game, you may recall, if you listened to Back of the Let on the last episode, that we had a competition in association with Mansion, And as you heard in the fan thoughts, the winner was Andrew Fawcett, Sean.
1: Yeah, him and uh, Ruth Binney went to the game. They won on our Facebook competition. And Sam actually uh, recorded the moment when he gave Andrew a call. And it's fair to say he was a little bit excited.
3: Hello? Yeah, hi there. Is that Andrew? Yes, it is. Yeah, hi, Andrew. Sam from back of the net here. Yes. How are you? All right? Well, you tell me. If you tell me we've got
4: tickets... I'm over the
3: moon, so Well um yeah, thanks for entering our competition and uh you are free on Saturday, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. Well the tickets are yours. Well done, you've won. <laughs> there you go, Sammy. He was pretty happy, wasn't he? <laughs> I've never heard a reaction like that before. But what a game to go to. Uh, well, I mean, he couldn't have picked it any better. Bournemouth secured a third successive league win with a dramatic victory over Swansea, which has now moved us 13 points clear of the relegation zone. Max Gradle slotted the home side in front after a cross was palmed into his path. Then Mo Barrow cut in from the right, curled an equaliser. Josh King made it 2-1, only for Gilfie Sigurdsson to fire in a level, but Steve Cook then headed in later on to clinch the win for the Cherries. Now, I'm absolutely positive you're watching the game, Sean. Of course. What were your thoughts?
1: It's funny. I really just really enjoyed it. It was just a really enjoyable game, which, you know, I think we did say before that we we thought it was going to be a good game of football. And it kind of looked like it. It was two sides, I think, that looked relatively uh, relaxed, other than uh, Steve Cook after 11 seconds, of course, when he just pumped it into the sideline for a throw-in if you recall but other than that it was just yeah it was just a really really good game of football and plenty of chances it seemed like it was mirroring the rugby game in the first kind of 20 minutes with the amount of shots that seemed to hammer over the bar though
3: yeah that's right it was um it was an interesting game now it reminds me Whether you were in England at this time, Sean, I don't know. I think you might have been. It sort of reminded me of a match at Dean Court many years ago. It was Bournemouth versus Luton Town on a Tuesday night. And it was just crazy. That score ended up 6-3 to Bournemouth. But it was one of those matches where it was fairly even. But I really didn't know who was going to score first. Thankfully,
1: thankfully, though, we got it. Yeah, we did. And uh, I don't know. I kind of felt like it was almost like... Not a pre season friendly, but like a testimonial where everyone's in a good mood, everyone's happy, everyone's attacking, we've come to see goals, and that is what we got.
3: Yeah, that's right. And uh, Max Gradle, it was with the first goal. Now, one thing I want to say about that, I mean, great work from Adam Smith down the right. Um, he put in a cross, which obviously the keeper couldn't handle. Whether it was a keeper mistake or not, I don't know. I think it was actually um, a very good cross that's put in that danger zone where the keeper doesn't quite know what to do. Obviously, a little bit of fortune as it came off the defender but Max Gradle's technique I thought was exceptional because my reaction if I was him would probably be to side foot it but he probably insteped it with his right foot and to get that that kind
1: of accuracy with your instep is not particularly easy no it's not but if you look it was his follow through so the his toe was down it was like perfect technique and it was just a nice straight drive if he was playing cricket it would have just gone straight past the bowler and back for four down the other end
3: uh, but before that, of course, we did have chances. Added Swansea, um, our closest chance probably was Andrew Sermon with the free kick. That was when he touched it onto Matt Ritchie and he just sort of shifted the ball to the left. But you realise as soon as he did that, the Swansea keeper then moved to the right. So he, he was always going to save that. Now, I actually thought the keeper saved it, but
1: apparently it came off the post. Yeah, it did. And it was pretty funny when they're lining up because you've got Gradle, Ritchie and Andrew Sermon. Your money wasn't on Sermon to have a pop from there, no, it was wasn't. it? On the on the commentary, they were talking about rolling it all the way and letting Simon Francis have a have a pop, and it was like, oh yeah, because he scored loads uh, on a moving ball from forty yards. But um, <laughs> yeah. but the next big surprise was that Sermon then popped it in, and it was. I mean, it was. It was. It came off the post. The keeper did have it covered. Should Sermon be scoring more goals? I think he should. I no no he shouldn't I think I think he, <laughs> I disagree I, I think he's been because <laughs> okay. there's plenty of times when he's on the edge of the box and people are screaming out for him to shoot and I think uh, Stu Bramley on Twitter has a has a little chart going and I think it was um, mid-April was the next time Sermon was due to have a shot but I think for me it's it's about quality of of chances and where Sermon sits very often at the edge of the box He likes to be able to redistribute, and it's kind of moving the ball like the umbrella, as they call it, where you start on one corner and you look to work your way around and you shift the defence. Do we really want to see Sermon pumping it over the bar when he's not known for his goals? I know he can score, but no, I'm I'm comfortable that um, it's about making a better opportunity for guys that are better at scoring goals. We'll agree to
3: disagree then. Well, I spoke uh, on the phone actually to Andrew Fawcett, our competition winner, and I just had a brief chat with him after the game. And he said that the Bournemouth players were in celebratory mode a little bit after the goal. And then, of course, Mo Barrett, it was, what was it, 60 seconds or 120 seconds. He scored that equaliser. I actually thought... It was a very good goal. Now, what sort of got the room for Mo Barrow was he did a little step over that slightly... Well, it completely tied Charlie Daniels up in knots, and then he was always a step behind. He cut in and a beautiful left-footed strike. Can you really blame
1: Charlie Daniels, though, for that? No, uh, it was pretty tough. Like, he was clearly... He was showing him the line. He wanted him to go on the outside, and then when he when he shifted and t- twisted back, Charlie, just for a second, was back on his heels, and then by the time it took for him to adjust... Mo Barrow, who sounds like an EastEnders character. Oi, Mo <laughs> yeah. Barrow! I could imagine him working yeah. in, in, in the Vic. But anyway, enough of that. Um, and then he cut inside. Sermon tried to cover him. And it was just a really good goal.
3: Yeah, it was very good. In fact, on uh, Andrew Sermon uh, was on Goals on Sunday on Sky Sunday morning and he actually blamed himself a bit. He said he was maybe too deep for that. But um I don't know. I think uh, I think he's probably being a bit harsh on himself. It was just an exceptional goal and it nestled really nicely in the corner. So, yeah, half time one all. I think that was probably an even reflection. And then in the second half, well, we scored quite early, uh, 2-1. Again, it was this sort of high pressing that we do, led to a Swansea mistake. And then, who was it, Max Gradle going through on goal. And then Joshua King sort of delayed his run a bit. But then there was a perfect through ball. And Josh King, There was a there was a defender right in front of him. And he just shifted the ball just to his right, made a bit of an angle and then absolutely drove it very, very hard. And I know the keeper has been sort of blamed, but it was... um it was in that sort of area where the keeper's thinking, is it going wide, is it hitting the post? But it just crept in off the post. It was
1: actually a very good finish. Yeah, it was. I mean, the whole goal for it was King that was pressing, that kind of forced the the guy to play it, to gradle. And then we just broke really quick. Aphobe made a good cross run, which the defender that ended up picking up King, it just made them hesitate a second. Should they go with Aphobe? And then it was like, oh, no, I need to go with King. And then, yeah, the speed of his footwork, just to shift the ball, and then it did sit up beautifully for the shot. Actually, from the defending, I actually think the defenders did really well. There ended up two Swansea defenders there. They'd narrowed the angle. So basically, there was only one place that that King could hit that ball. So you could question Fabianski on that. I'm not a big believer in this whole keepers should never concede in their near post nonsense. I mean, the goal's a big place and you've got to cover both. But in that instance, it was only that one place. But just the speed that King hit it, Like, your reactions would have to be ridiculously fast to be able to save that ball.
3: Yeah, it was from close range. And interestingly, I mean, the guys around me, they were the same people at the start of the season who were being fairly critical of Josh King, they were absolutely singing his praises, everyone was uh, singing Eddie's Had a Dream it it wasn't particularly as loud as what it was against uh, Southampton on that uh, 2-0 win on that Tuesday night, but the atmosphere um, was, yeah brilliant, like a testimonial atmosphere as you said, and uh, Bournemouth kind of you know, got in the zone somewhat but then Swansea eked their way back into it, and in the end it was um, a cracking finish from uh, Sigurdsson, I think it was Barrow who um, managed to Get to the byline, he cut it back, and then Sigurdsson had a touch and then coolly dispatched it uh, with his instep, uh, side footed it into the top left hand corner. It was um, a very good finish. But when I when I watched the goal back on Match of the Day or just replays online, it is almost like the AFC Bournemouth defence and midfielders are in slow motion. If you watch it again, they were very sort of um, unresponsive. They did switch off a bit.
1: Yeah, they did a little bit, like Gomi coming on. Uh, made a big difference because they changed and kind of went four four two. Which prior to that they'd only had Dave Nothing up front, and uh, so it was good to get Gomez on to, um, and that definitely shifted. I mean, it was only three minutes after or two minutes after he came on that he was involved in that goal. The ball got shifted wide. Charlie kind of got caught a bit two on one, and then I think it was O'Kane who didn't really fully track Barrow when he cut through i know it wasn't his man but still it was there was the hole there he put the ball back in an area which was which was dangerous and defenders couldn't get there but again the footwork from Sigerton to shift the ball and then almost in one moment just swing and poke it in the corner it was you know if we were one point above relegation you'd be like ah oh, but as you know you had to have a little spit second of that was another really good goal.
3: Yeah, that's right. And weirdly, um, there I didn't this sounds a bit of a weird thing to say I didn't feel overly disappointed because it wouldn't have been an unfair reflection uh, had the game finished like that but thankfully on well on 77 minutes there was sort of 60 seconds of mayhem there was the Artur Boric save to deny uh, Alberto Poloci now that shot he managed to it was almost like David Platt for England against Belgium he somehow got this shot going the other way he was facing away from goal towards the corner flag and then got his right foot around it and you know, it. Thankfully, it went straight towards Artur Boric, and he reacted well, but uh, it was a great shot. And then we went up the other end, got a corner. Josh King actually had the chance before that. Mark Pugh put it through to him, and he just couldn't sort out his feet quick enough. But then, yeah, the corner, short corner routine. Matt Ritchie collected it, and then left foot outswing, met Steve Cook, who... Well, he was a flying leaper, wasn't
1: he? He was a flying leaper, right? Yeah, as the flying leaper online would say, for those who know who who were on about. But the uh, the Swansea defence was so disorganised for that goal. I mean, they were completely caught out. Um, After the game, Curtis, the uh, temporary boss, did say that they just made some subs and they don't think everyone was fully switched on. And you could see Fabianski going nuts because it was a short. Quick corner, which we we take very often, and they only sent one defender out wide. The second defender who was meant to go out there, just I don't know where he was. Um, So it meant that we were two on one. Having said that, a quick turn from Richie, a great cross in and actually watching the the goal as disorganized as the defense was. Actually, Fernandez, who was marking Cook, he was one of the very few Swansea defenders who was ready. He was marking him. He was watching the ball, but he totally misread the cross. When that ball swung in, if you watch it again, he actually takes a step to his right to go into the ball. But there was so much whip on it that it bent back in Cook's favour, and then you're right, he was in the air for probably, I think it was about 33 minutes before he, uh, it was like Air Jordan. Yeah, it was. And then poked it in the corner, and Cookie pops up with another goal, and after the game, he said he he set himself a goal-scoring target at the start of the season, which is now reached with three goals. Yeah, and I think that was pretty much game-setting match. There were a few little
3: chances here and there, but... Let's talk about Eddie Howe's substitutions. Now, obviously, Dan Gosling went off at half-time. Uh, do you think that was solely to protect him? Because obviously he was on a yellow at that time, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah,
1: he was. And I think the, the questions are, is how's Harry, Harry Arter? um And is Arda going to be out for a few more weeks? In which case, you know, we are relatively light in that central midfield position. Given the state of the game, um, yeah, I think it was a wise decision to take Gosling off. Just because you don't want to get a red card and then suddenly you've got a suspension because then I think we would suddenly be incredibly light in that midfield so I think that made sense um, I think the other sub was was with Graben coming on and you can definitely see Graben is getting sharper, I think the fitness issue at the start, which they much talked about um, was, was really true and I think you can just see with Graben, he was a lot more in the game um, and then obviously had that great chance with that little cheeky chip Whether it was going in or not, I'm not too sure. But just to see him confident enough to shift the ball out and to try it was a really great sign. For me, we just need to see and get a goal and throw it at that north stand, and then I think he's away.
3: Yeah, and Pewy did well. He came on for uh gradle on 76 minutes, and
1: once again, Mark Pugh, very reliable, always does a job, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I think within like a minute of coming on, he was doing his pirouettes on the side, which, you know, when when we have a lot of possession in, in the final third, that's where Pugh's great, because you can just give him the ball, and you know at some point the ball's going to come into the box, which... Going back to the third goal, it was it was Pew that put the cross in, I think it was to King, which then forced the corner, which then we scored from. So I think again it was a good run out for him. There was that. Oh, is a Turbe going to come on now? We're going to see. You know, when's he going to be unleashed? I don't. know. It's like yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's it's all hype, but there's kind of a feeling of excitement when a Turbe comes on. So I'm sure we'll see him at some point. But again, Pew came on, did really really well, and then yeah, you kind of I don't know. I always felt like wasn't necessarily going to be the end of the scoring because it just felt like one of those games where we'll score their score we'll score their score but we ended up actually seeing the game out fairly comfortably I think Arda Boric seemed to have about 80% possession in that last three minutes which was which was pretty nice (laughs) he didn't seem in any rush at all but and then yeah we saw it out and it was a, a great game of football and I think thrill probably would have been fair but Do you know what? We'll take a 3-2. Yeah, that's right. And
3: 13th in the league. Safety is pretty much nigh. What were your thoughts about the game? Obviously, you can tweet us, AFCB Podcast, and also do it on Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash AFCB Podcast. But now on Back of the Net, it's now time for my online review of the last seven days. So once again, being a fan of a successful AFC Bournemouth has meant that the social media world has very much been a great place to be over the last seven days. Our win at Newcastle last week, followed by some excellent news about the stadium expansion, was topped off at the weekend with a beautiful 3-2 win at home to Swansea, where we reached the dizzy heights of 13th in the Premier League. So with regards to the Dean Court news, Carl Burgess on Twitter said, Excellent news. This club is getting bigger and better. And then Ben Palmer said, Two corners and a permanent stand doesn't look bad. And then Arnold Savoir said, Finally! But any news on the proposed timescale of the build? And that last question is something that most fans are pondering over online. Can it be done in three months? Will we have to have a reduced capacity for any stretch of time? Over on the Vitals forum, AFCB Republican said, why is the club being coy about the capacity of the redeveloped stadium? Surely they must know the figure. And then US Cherry replied, well, I would guess between 15,000 and 15,500. But there was a well-considered reply from Cursica, who said, If you look carefully at the announcement, there's a contact email address at the bottom. The club have clearly engaged with a professional company to help them smooth the planning process and will be acting on their advice. They may well be under clear instructions from that company not to drip feed part of the info. For instance, and just speculation, maybe there are other changes that will affect the local residents and traffic flow positively, and so releasing the numbers without the rest of the information could build up ahead of opposition in some that may not be there should they have all the details. Hence, let the people have access to all the information at the preview, rather than providing a preview of the preview. Then they added, I understand we're desperate for information, and whilst I've got no knowledge of the above company, I'm pleased to see the club trying to do this in a professional manner, rather than, for example, creating gate designs for Kings Park and then releasing them to the media, amongst other things, in the hope that something might stick. So what will the capacity be? Apparently, Steve Cook on Goals on Sunday, when him, Matt Ritchie and Andrew Sermon appeared, let it slip that the capacity will be around 16,000. Hmm... But people on Twitter have been saying, but surely we should own the ground first. We need to own the ground. But Peter Bell on Cherry Chimes wrote, Bournemouth have publicly stated that the current leasehold situation suits the club and whilst more money will come into the coffers, it may not be of much benefit for the club to own the ground if it sees no hurdles being put up against ground expansion. Who knows what level of spending clubs will do in the summer with the new TV money coming into the Premier League and how much AFCB will need to invest Just to stand still in this league. Yet another well-considered comment from Cherry Chimes. Do check that website out, by the way. So, on to the Swansea game. And there was a fair amount of optimism ahead of the game against what Eddie calls the AFC Bournemouth Blueprint, who this season have been having a bit of a torrid time, however have improved massively over the past few weeks, culminating in an excellent victory at the Emirates against Arsenal. But on Saturday, Bournemouth, as we know, came out 3-2 victors and there were a number of talking points throughout the match and most predictably, they centred around two things Max Gradle and the continual improvement of Josh King Mark Jackson tweeted, King was quality again and it was great to see Gradle back scoring. and also, all three subs had an impact after coming on Graben especially and then Patrick Sullivan tweeted, the Cherries love March bloody fantastic win, Josh King and Max Gradle are just a dream Now interestingly, Max ran straight over to the bench after scoring his goal in order to thank the team who helped him massively during his rehabilitation. Although Eddie Howe, as Aidan Small said on Twitter in his post-match conference, said I didn't want to commit to Max's hug so early. I thought we might be trying to hug someone behind me. Now meanwhile on Twitter, James Kent said I see that Gradle is back from the dead to score for Bournemouth. Shame about the Swansea goal though. And score they did, equalising not only once but twice. However, it was a Steve Cook header that finally won it for the home side. And, with England also being 19-0 up at the break in the rugby, the chance of Swing Low Sweet Chariot ran around the Vitality Stadium, much to the short-lived mirth of every non-Welsh person in the stadium. However, people on Twitter were less impressed. John Neptune tweeted I'd sooner lose every home game than listen to bad Dick singing Swing Low again Take your Tory sport bees elsewhere And then AFCB Bob said Swing Low has no place at football Even if it was just a response to the Swansea fans' rendition of the Welsh National Anthem And Joey Lockhart tweeted Huge win and great atmosphere at the end Swansea a decent side so did well to win that But please, never sing Swing Low at Dean Court again But however, with the rugby score in mind, it was a superb 2-0 victory to the English on Saturday and Bournemouth leapt up to 13th in the league. Of course, once again, this led to the fairly inevitable tweets from fans who wanted to shame those pre-season predictions from supporters of other clubs who said we'd go down and there were a couple of mentions for Watford as well, whom we leapfrogged in the league. However, this time you could count these messages on one hand. Indeed, signs that the rivalry is abating was clear to be seen as many AFCB fans jubilantly celebrated Watford beating Arsenal in the Cup with some tweets from... Deep Breath (sighs) Kerry Payton, Gail Hope, Sam Davis Oh, that's me Gareth Davis, Mr Rob, Phil Watkins and many, many more And don't say you didn't, Phil However, maybe the real reason we all wanted Watford to win was simply because we could gorge on watching the irate fans on Arsenal fan TV again Shall we? It'd be rude not
2: to. I've I've had enough of this manager and everybody here turns around and says, oh, he's whatever. He's (laughs) past the sell-by date and that's it. I'm telling you that, what is the motivation of this team? I'll tell you what, I was in here against Leicester at half-time. Everybody when Koscielny went off, all of her, all in, the, in the stairs going... Oh.
3: Maybe I'm being slightly harsh playing that. Bournemouth are on the crest of the wave and we know that after a few bad defeats, well, we can be as irate as that guy. However, we're not. We're 13th in the league and we've got another Premier League season. So, let's just enjoy the rest of this campaign, eh?
1: Hi, this is Steve Pershing. You're listening to Back hey, of the Net. Club News. The answer to the long standing question of stadium expansion or new ground is announced. The club have officially unveiled their plans this week to increase the capacity of Dean Court by developing a new permanent south stand and also filling in the corners of that end. Neil Blake, Bournemouth's chief executive, said, Whilst we are delighted with the progress that the team has been making on the pitch in the Barclays Premier League, we are fully aware that demand for tickets far outweighs our current capacity, and we hope that developing a new South Stand will give more supporters the opportunity to come and watch their local football team. To date, the information such as what the capacity would increase to, when the planning permission would be requested or when the construction would commence have not yet been revealed by the club. However, they have published a computer-generated image of the proposed development which appears to point that the stand is going to be twice as high as the rest of the ground. Gradle's goal is for Eddie and everyone as he strikes against Swansea. The sight of Maxie Gradle cuddling Eddie Howe following his goal brought tears to the eyes of many supporters and after the game Maxie was quick to not only praise Eddie but also the whole club and supporters for the way he has been treated during his long injury layoff. Maxie told reporters after the game that despite people being injured we've all stuck together so today I am happy to everyone involved with the club. I wanted to celebrate with everyone, he continued, because when people are nice to you, you have to give something back to them. That's what I've tried to do. I hope that my goal and my performance for the rest of the season will go some way to repaying that. Ah, oh, could there be a more likeable player in world football? Love you, Maxie. Eddie is like every character in Harry Potter, except Harry Potter. Much like Voldemort is only referred to as he who must not be named by almost everyone in the popular wizard world, following the cherries reaching the magical 38 points, Eddie Howe was adamant he would not say the word safe during his post-match interviews. Even though both Steve Cook and Maxie Gradle seemed happy to say it. Howe, in his press conference, said, The official line is that nothing is decided today. We have put ourselves in a good position, but we still have work to do. He went on to tell BBC Five Live, with a laugh, that, You're not going to get me to say it. So it appears the team are only focused on getting as high up the table as possible, with Steve Cook saying, That's now our target, to get into the top half. We are two points off the top half so that will be our aim and I am sure we can do it. Callum Wilson, Bournemouth's goal machine could be seen before the season is out. Eddie Howe has remained fairly tight-lipped about the reappearance of Wilson this season but when pressed in his pre-Swansea interview he did concede a possible return next month I would say. He also said he is still some way off but is working very hard. He is with the fitness coaches, he's not training with us yet but he is making big strides and gaining confidence every day. We hope to see him before the season is out but without putting too much pressure on him at this stage. Now there were rumours earlier last week on the AFCB Loud and Proud Facebook group that Wilson had returned to training but with a face mask to cover his identity – Although this was quickly squashed after it was revealed in another photo that it was just Charlie Daniels cowering from the rain. Keep up the good work, Colombo. Just one more thing. B club news.
3: Thanks, Sean, for that club news. And I've got to say, that's the worst Columbo accent I've ever, ever heard. Do you Uh-oh. do this kind of impression thing for a living? Yeah, it's just,
1: terrible. Just on my own. I thought it was pretty
3: good. <laughs> yeah. Um. You'll have to, what do people at home think? Tweet us, tweet us, let us know. But yeah, interesting about the old stadium development. It was news that we all wanted to hear, wasn't expecting to hear it this week. And of course, you heard the opinion of fans earlier on, on the online
1: section as well. Sean, what are you thinking? You're thinking, is it because we are now safe sorry eddie we will say that word on this show n- we have no fear uh oh, and also just that harry potter i'm currently because I, I think this is like the third time i've referenced harry potter in four episodes but i'm <laughs> we can't, i'm currently back watching them all again so it's just on top of my mind at some point i will move on i promise but anyway um i think uh the fact that we are now safe is kind of preempted the news and it's great to see that we are going to be doing something um I think it makes good sense at this stage to work with what we've got. What I was worried about was that we go and all in and build a 35,000-seater brand-new stadium, and which I'd imagine would take a fair while to do. I've never built a stadium, but I'd imagine it would take a, a, a wee while to do, in which case would that mean next season we'd have to play again in the same capacity? So I think as a stepping stone, I think it's a really good idea i still have doubts long term whether we will remain at dean court just because given the circumstances around the ground in terms of uh, you know space mainly um, and the fact we don't own it i'm comfortable with us not owning it at the moment but doing this work what about you
3: yeah i think it is the best solution for now um i like the look of it i've got to say it looks very nice um Now, people have been making predictions about the capacity, in my opinion, 14 and a half. It looks like another Ted McDougall stand, but going a bit further back. Um, It does look really nice. And where are they going to put the scoreboard, though? Where are they going to put the scoreboard? That is the pressing issue for me, because it
1: can't be in that corner. I want a jumbotron. Let's go. Now we've got (laughs) the American owners. I want some kind of blimp that's suspended (laughs) just above the stadium with a massive, like, I don't know, 500-foot screen. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that, can, that, can that happen? Can we, is, that, think, is that even possible?
3: <laughs> I think it is. Well, it's great to see the profile of AFC Bournemouth being increased through being in the Premier League. Of course, we've got sellouts week in, week out, and we could probably sell up to about 20,000 in many people's estimates. But with that, the local tourist industry has also benefited too, as I found out in this week's club feature. Monday, the 27th of April, 2015. Does that date ring any bells with you? If not, let me remind you.
0: The
2: supporters not waiting for the final whistle as Bournemouth's footballing dreams come true. A stylish and emphatic win at home here against Bolton has taken them to the threshold of the Premier League.
3: Of course, it was the evening where the Cherries effectively clinched a place in football's top flight for the first time in their history when they beat Bolton live on Sky. Now, the amazing feat sent supporters into raptures, but according to tourism bosses in Bournemouth, the entire town, county and southwest region should be grateful to manager Eddie Howe because, as Mark Smith, Bournemouth's director of tourism, said... The tourism business is already worth just over £500 million a year to Bournemouth and this boost could be as much as a 10% increase. It could be worth over £50 million pounds to the economy just by having a team that's world class. Now one of the local businesses that has benefited from Bournemouth's Premier League status, maybe not to the tune of £50 million, is the Curzon Diner in Curzon Road that rebranded as Cherry's Cafe in the close season. Let's meet the owner.
0: Hi, I'm Debbie, I'm the owner of the Cherries
3: Café. Hi, Terry. So as we walk around the Cherries Café, it really has got that feeling of a good old classic greasy spoon, but it's properly been cherified up. There's cherries on the walls, The, uh, the tables are decorated with cherries, there's memorabilia all over the place, there's scarves hanging off the walls, fixtures, and it just reminds you of all things that are good about being a Bournemouth fan. Now, if I have a look outside... Now, we've actually got red and black decor on the outside and cool little Cherries Cafe logo as well. And, of course, you've got a couple of cherries on the front with red balloons and uh, umbrellas. So it's a really nicely themed cafe. Now, so it's really getting busy inside here today and it does have that community feel in here. And Debbie does seem to know
1: everyone. Sausage, sausage baguette or sausage
3: uh, Sandwich, please. Uh, I'm Simon. I've been coming to... The calf from Curzon Roads, which has been renamed Cherry's Calf, since I was about eight years old with my father. Um. So it was interesting chatting to Simon. He told me about how it used to be at the Curzon Diner.
4: Well, when I was a kid, because you know, I've been up, up here in this area for all my life, Yeah. and I remember when I was coming here about eight, nine years old, same colour then. Yeah, Just pale wow. colours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we had the occasional freshen up, but that yeah. was about it, same colours, same design, everything, yeah. for years. And then...
0: Yeah, we opened the cafe 16th of July as the Cherries Cafe. Yeah. Um, The Echo came and took pictures and put us in the Echo. We thought that was successful. Yeah. Um, A couple of days later, I had somebody from uh, a a Paris magazine. Really? We had the Sun newspaper the same day. Then on the first game of the season with Aston Villa on the 8th of August, we had Sky News... BBC and ITV all parked outside filming us all day. That's
6: ridiculous.
1: All
0: right, The sad thing is, is that I've done this. I know we're talking a bit selfishly of me, mm. but whether they stay up or not, mm. I'm still going to benefit every yeah. year now you know, I think it's one of devil's those advocate now isn't yeah.
3: it yeah. I think it's one of those things that's just going to get be part of people's match day experience you know once they come I think you know, they're just going to oh, want to come again, Sam, and, again have, and again I have
0: parents bring their kids to have their picture taken in front of the calf really? now that was when that first happened that was like oh and mum here it is look we're in the cherry's calf and yeah. she's taking pictures of him in the calf yeah. and, and I thought oh didn't mean, didn't expect that <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. expect that Start husband.
3: charging them <laughs> yeah I
0: know but we've stayed a greasy spoon. Mm. You know, we're nothing. We're no. not going to. not trying to be no. anything. We're not.
3: Yeah. So tomorrow, uh, Swansea at home. It's going to be a sort of busy morning. Is it an early start? No, for no, you? no,
0: no it's not. I come in at nine. Yeah. I turn everything on. Prepare for to a, for twelve o'clock. Mm. Um, people come in at half eleven and they think I'm lying.
3: Yeah. They
0: stay till twelve and they leave because they feel sorry for me for not having enough tables and chairs. All oh, right. Yeah. Well. And um, the 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 turning point for me was when people started booking tables. Yeah, that was like it was like a tingling moment. Oh, really?
3: Now it's not only Cherry's Cafe that's benefited, there are lots of other businesses that are benefiting from this influx in interest and also people coming to watch our games and staying for the weekend. Dave Cavill from STA Travel explained what Bournemouth's Premier League status meant for them.
4: very positive impact. Um, obviously now with the opportunity to play in the Premier League uh, against bigger teams, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, um,
3: they have supporters globally so people from all over the world potentially could be coming to Bournemouth. And Plus, we caught up with Kevin Divi from Streamline Taxis. Here's what he had to say. Anything
4: that improves um, people visiting the town is going to draw people in from possibly all over Europe coming to visit Paul and
3: Bournemouth. So it's clear that AFC Bournemouth's Premier League status, and thankfully it's going to be for another season now, is really proving beneficial to all these local businesses. So, along with the rest of us, they'll be wanting more moments like this and uh, close in
2: and uh, what a goal that crowns it for Bournemouth an unlikely scorer in Charlie Daniels but that's that they've got the three points
3: and of course this and it comes from Richie with with the Cherries continually progressing through the Premier League with style. And of course, they'll be welcoming the stadium expansion news too. Yeah, can I have 2,000 more fry-ups, please, Debbie, when you're ready?
4: Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the North stand, shouting up the Cherries! You're listening to Back of the Net.
6: Supporter
4: profile.
6: Please state your name.
4: Gareth Case.
6: Where do you live?
4: Hove in Sussex.
6: First Bournemouth game attended.
4: It was the it was April ninety five, the first great escape season. Uh, I would have been nine years old and it was against Leighton Orient. I was stood in the new stand and I believe we won two nil.
6: Favourite player of all time
4: and why? For me it's Brett Pittman. Um He's been the best finisher I think I've seen play for the club. Also, if I also felt at times he was hugely underrated, and I don't think you can underestimate how important his goals were for us.
6: Favourite current
4: player and why? Uh, my favourite current player is definitely Josh King. I just love his peaky smile. Favourite all time AFCB game. Chelsea away this year was pretty special. I don't think I'll ever forget that, but I would have to probably say the 5-1 victory at Fulham away last year. At the time, I said that Brett Pittman's second goal was one of the top five best moments of my life, and I stand by that. But after that victory, I really felt everyone started to believe that promotion was a distinct possibility.
6: Your greatest Bournemouth goal.
4: Uh, the greatest AFTB goal would probably be Brett Pittman's goal against Burton Albion uh, in the night, sorry, in the 2009-2010 League 2 promotion season. Um, it was a 1-0 victory. I remember the game being really boring uh, with nothing much of note to remember. Um, but then on the 86th minute, the ball came out to Liam Feeney uh, just before halfway on the right wing. He flicked it over his head and it took a bounce and fletched. another bit forward into his path. And then he touched uh, a Burton peg, intercepted the ball, but it bounced to uh, Alan Connell, who managed to flick it to Brett. He took a touch in his chest, and you could see what he was going to do. And I remember shouting, No, Brett, at the top of my voice. And then he just whacked it, and it floated into the top left hand corner. Best moment as a former fan. For me, it would be the 2 0 victory away at Burton Albion to gain promotion from the. From League Two in Eddie's first all-season, I don't think you can underestimate what an achievement that was. We had the transfer embargo all-season, and that season really did feel like it was us against the
6: world. If you could sign any player, past or present, who would it be and why?
4: I uh, re-sign Alan Connell, because one time he wished me happy birthday on Twitter.
6: Your chart of choice.
4: Sound of choice is the Eddie had a dream chant. I love that chant. I think most people who know me, even if they're not Bournemouth fans, now know that chant because of how much I sing it.
6: What league position will we finish in this season?
4: I like to finish, finish top half, but with a difficult run from now to the end of the season, I think it's more likely to be 14th or 15th.
1: Thanks to Gareth Case for being this week's Supporter Profile. And if you would like to be on the show from wherever you are in the world, doesn't matter if you haven't been to games, you can just watch on TV. We're not that precious. Then email us to fans at afcbpodcast.com. That's fans at afcbpodcast.com. And we may well get in touch with you. But some good memories there from Gareth and clearly a big Brett Pittman fan. Yeah, I was as well, and that
3: was a great goal at home to Burton. Great strike. But do you remember, Sean, when we used to play for Ferndown Locomotive on a Sunday morning over at Slay's Farm, we'd have a certain centre midfielder called Matt Folds, and he would often end up in that position, but his shots didn't usually hit the back
1: of the net did they? No uh, the only similarity to Brett Pittman has to be the the shouts of no as he lined up and took another wild swing and I've never played with anyone who hit a tree as often as Matt Foles (laughs) like he should have been a lumberjack (laughs) but prior to the supporter profile we had that feature there about local businesses and I guess it makes sense with the increase in away fans now thanks to the Premier League that businesses should get busier but yeah it's good to see that local businesses in particular are benefiting
3: yeah and it's not just the increase in numbers of away fans it's also this brainchild of uh, debbie to change it to the cherries cafe and it's actually a great place to go make it part of your pre-match preparation i think i might but it's off uh road if you go on to curzon road you can't miss it it's red and black everywhere
1: Yeah, I reckon if you're going before the game, mention you heard about it on the Back of the Net podcast. I'm sure there'll be a little cheeky discount there.
3: Oh, yeah, why not? Why not? Ask for a freebie. Right, on Sunday then, big match. We've got Spurs away at White Hart Lane. Should be an interesting one, Sean, because team selection for Spurs, it's been a bit of an issue recently with this Europa Cup match against Borussia Dortmund, but they're obviously playing on the Thursday night, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are, so that's why our game's been moved to the Sunday. I mean, they're 3-0 down from the first leg, so I would imagine there'll be a fair few kids brought out on Thursday because... They've gotta keep winning in the league. Especially I mean, we've just we record this on a Tuesday morning here in New Zealand, Monday night over there, and actually just caught the uh, Leicester Newcastle game. Cracking goal from Okazaki. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Bicycle kick. Oh, it was it was Callum Wilson esque with the wow. finish. But that has put Leicester five points clear again at the top, having it drawn to down to two for a little while. So for me, yeah, I would expect Spurs to rest some players and then the big game really is against us on Sunday which makes a change because normally we're the team they're playing in the cup and they play the kids how times have changed.
3: Yeah that's right so from a Bournemouth perspective then difficult would you say 4-4-2 is the way forward or would we go this four five
1: one route? Yeah that's an interesting thing as to whether we're going to shift because I've felt that when we play the bigger teams there could be the need for us to go back to that three man in the middle having said that if we haven't got harry Arter, then as we know then our options are slightly more limited plus you know king and afobe with gradle and richie are forming a really great attacking option and we're scoring goals so given we're 13 points clear do you think maybe we'll stick with it sam and just go 4-4-2 and just take the game to them
3: yeah, I think so. I mean, the Harry Arter injury is an interesting one because if he's if he's back, then obviously there's every opportunity that we'll go 5-3-2. If he's not back, I don't think he would play three in the middle because I, I don't I don't think he would play O'Kane in there. Um I think he's probably going to go four four two, but maybe he'll tweak something or other. Maybe uh the sort of uh wing backs aren't gonna go forward as much and they're gonna maybe be a bit more defensive. I don't know, but he does have to tweak the system. And he has said in interviews before that, you know, even though we're playing four four two, it doesn't mean we've got to play the same way every week. So he may tweak a few things.
1: Yeah, I think the the thing is really again, you know, we're playing with such great confidence. Going into this game, um I think there's a lot of pressure on Spurs. Spurs have Mm. they've got to win the game and I think if we can start fast and not be under too much pressure not concede a goal early maybe even go and get a goal early I think that would just heap more pressure on Spurs if we can keep the ball maybe like we did uh, at Newcastle where we look to try and keep possession I think trying to restrict Harry Kane's shooting options is going to be a really tough task. Like, that guy will just shoot from anywhere and generally get it on target. So we've got to try, and easy to say, try and keep Harry Kane quiet. But again, I think given our current results, I think we'll go into it full of confidence, and I think we'll give it a really good go. Predictions? Hmm. I'm going to go... One all draw. I think we'll go one down. And then I'm going to call it that we will score in the last 10 minutes. And do you know what? Lewis Graben. Wow. Why not? That would be brilliant.
3: I, for, for me, I I don't know. I mean, Spurs, I don't think... Spurs, I think I've turned a corner psychologically this season. Um, Obviously, they're playing better. But unlike Arsenal, uh, they aren't going to capitulate as much... This season. Now, this is probably uh, if there are any uh, Arsenal fans that are listening, that maybe you know support Bournemouth as well, sort of thing. That probably doesn't go down too well. But Spurs, I don't know. I think I think they're stronger than Arsenal, and I I don't think that they're going to lose this one. I don't think they will. What I've got? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they will. I think. I don't know. I've got a feeling they're going to shade it, to be honest. And I I hate predicting against AFC Bournemouth, but I can see a 2-1 Spurs win. I can see an excellent performance and we'll get all the plaudits from the press and everyone will be nice about us, etc. At the end of the day, it's Spurs away. If we lose, it's not the end of the world. We're safe. But I'm going, sadly, 2-1 Spurs.
1: Sorry. Sam, I'm just going to check through the the, uh, file here. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of ruling against predicting against us uh oh no I'm no so i remember sorry. i remember i wanted to remove that clause i think you put that clause in there so look i hope you are horribly wrong i hope you are more wrong than my goal fest uh prediction <laughs> against watford uh but oh, so i don't know if i can go on with this chat anymore so <laughs> no.
3: yeah i mean i'm i'm just being realistic um we we are safe, but maybe we'll play with the freedom. Maybe we'll end up winning 3-0. Who knows? It's one of those matches that I really, you know, if form is anything to go by, it'll be a draw. But I don't know, Spurs, do they want it more? Probably have got a reason to want it more. So 2-1.
1: Disgust me. This is Steve Jones, and you're listening to Back of the Net. That's it for this week's episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with Sean and Sam. Don't forget that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes,
3: Mixcloud, YouTube and much more. And if you can't work anything out about what I've just said, just visit our website. That's afcbpodcast.com where you can listen to each and every show and also find out the multitude of other
1: ways that you can listen. Yeah, and if you're socially media friendly, then you can follow us on Twitter, which is at AFCB Podcast. So that's at AFCB Podcast on Twitter. Or if you're of the Facebook generation, it's www.facebook.com forward slash AFCB Podcast. And so whether it's uh, fan thoughts after a game, in which case you can send us your messages via the answer machine or email, or whether you just want to get in contact with us about anything to do with the show or the great AFC Bournemouth, then drop us a line either on Twitter or Facebook. In particular on Facebook, we're keen to see your selfies of you in your shirts, listening wherever you are in the world, maybe get some iconic background somewhere. But either way, thanks for listening. Yeah, do get in touch. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the show,
3: and of course, we'll be back from next Tuesday for another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.